Greetings, this is podcast number 58 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Hawk from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, we're going to present part one of what will be at least a three-part series, Critical But Largely Unreported Aspects of the Iraq War. The first subject we'll address now is the neocon organization called Project for a New American Century, known as PNAC, pronounced PNAC. This will make your hair stand on end. Also, make sure you stick around for the announcements at the end. I'm going to tell you about a battle of the ballot box I'm in with Red Bar Radio. Let's get right into it. A major issue in the midterm elections, just two months away, will of course be Iraq. One of the progressive understandings that often gets short shrift in the media is that the Iraq war is not a noble effort based on unfortunately faulty intelligence, or a good mission poorly executed. No, progressives understand that the Iraq war was something lusted after for years before 9-11 by the neocons, and in order to lay the appropriate level of blame and, yes, criminal responsibility where it belongs, this needs to be understood. But whenever the charge is leveled that the Iraq War was one planned long before 9-11 and that 9-11 just served as an excuse, right-wingers always claim there's no evidence of that. Wrong. There's dispositive evidence. PNAC provides the foundation to prove that 9-11 was consciously used by the Bush administration as an excuse to invade Iraq. Iraq was not a misguided or misdirected result of 9-11. With the fall elections in mind, one of the linchpins of proving that Bush hyped and even lied about the intelligence is to provide this motive, that he was just looking for an excuse to execute a decision made long before, to go to war against Iraq, to invade and occupy that nation. The words and actions of the group PNAC are something that could push fence-sitting centrists over the line into full appreciation of the real reasons behind the Iraq War. The existence and influence of PNAC is not new news, but it's also not widely reported news, and even when you've heard it mentioned, most often it's not explained what it really is. Understanding PNAC is essential to an understanding of the entire Iraq debacle, and you should definitely know about it. If you're already familiar with PNAC, this can serve as a refresher. Now, as you listen to what will follow, you may be tempted to think I'm making this up. Jack's playing a misstated April Fool's joke, or I'm writing a movie script and using you all as a test audience. No. This is for real, authentic. This is not a test, as the oft-feared announcement goes. Get out the smelling salts. My sources are the New Hampshire Gazette, the British newspapers The Independent and The Guardian, the Magic City Star, the Sunday Herald out of Scotland, CBS News, and the Interpress Service. 
And if you don't trust my sources, go to PNAC's own website, www.newamericancentury.org. Towards the end of the podcast, I'll play two great audio clips about PNAC that you probably haven't heard. Here we go. The Project for a New American Century was formed in the spring of 1997. It describes itself as a, quote, non-profit educational organization whose goal is to promote American global leadership, close quote. Educational, huh? Leadership? They mean to say American global domination, but more on that later. Let me first tell you who signed PNAC's founding charter back in 1997 and their subsequent role in the Bush administration. No one important, just Dick Cheney, Vice President, Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, Paul Wolfowitz, Deputy Secretary of Defense. Some supporting players who signed the charter are I. Lewis Scooter Libby, Dick Cheney's chief of staff and now under indictment in the Valerie Plame affair. Elliot Abrams, Iran-Contra felon, later pardoned, and now deputy assistant to the president and deputy national security advisor for global democracy strategy. Zalmay Khalilzad, national security advisor and counselor to Donald Rumsfeld, ambassador to Afghanistan and now Iraq. Aaron Freeberg. Dick Cheney's National Security Advisor, Paula Dobriansky, Undersecretary of State for Global Affairs, and Peter Rodman, Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security. This cast of characters is rounded out by some other prominent names you're probably familiar with. Jeb Bush, George's brother, William Bennett, Reagan's education secretary and present-day right-wing scold, Francis Fukuyama of the End of History fame, Steve Forbes, publisher of Forbes magazine, and, ta-ta, Dan Quayle? Don't let the fact that they let Dan Quayle sign their declaration lead you to think this group was and continues to be anything but deadly serious or should I say just plain deadly, in their goals and achievements. Let's first establish that these goals, if not yet their achievements, go well beyond Iraq. In a document released in 2000 entitled, Rebuilding America's Defenses, Strategies, Forces, and Resources for a New Century, PNAC wrote that it sees its project, quote, as building upon the defense strategy outlined by the Cheney Defense Department in the waning days of the first Bush administration. The Defense Policy Guidance document drafted in the early months of 1992 provided a blueprint for maintaining U.S. preeminence, precluding the rise of a great rival power, and shaping the international security order in line with American principles and interests." Close quote. The Sunday Herald in Scotland published an early piece exposing PNAC, calling this Rebuilding America's Defenses document a secret blueprint for U.S. global domination. Quote, 
The plan shows Bush's cabinet intended to take military control of the Gulf region whether or not Saddam Hussein was in power. It says, quote, The United States has for decades sought to play a more permanent role in Gulf regional security, while the unresolved conflict with Iraq provides the immediate justification the need for a substantial American force presence in the Gulf transcends the issue of the regime of Saddam Hussein. Close quote. The report describes American armed forces abroad as quote, the cavalry on the new American frontier. Close quote. The PNAC blueprint supports an earlier document written by Wolfowitz and Libby that said the U.S. must quote, discourage advanced industrial nations from challenging our leadership or even aspiring to a larger regional or global role, close quote. End of Sunday Herald excerpt. This PNAC Restoring America's Defenses report states that, quote, retaining forward-based forces in the region, the Mideast Gulf region, is an essential element in U.S. security strategy given the long-standing American interests in the region, close quote. Remember, as written elsewhere in the report, the, quote, unresolved conflict with Iraq provides the immediate justification. The report targets the axis of evil, even before that name was applied to it, quote, We cannot allow North Korea, Iran, Iraq, or similar states to undermine American leadership, intimidate American allies, or threaten the American homeland itself. The blessings of the American peace purchased at fearful cost and a century of effort, should not be so trivially squandered, close quote. I counted over 40 times the report uses the term preeminence to describe what it envisions as the proper U.S. geopolitical and military position in the world. The report even demands the, quote, control of space and cyberspace, close quote. This neocon roadmap sums itself up nicely here, quote, At present, the United States faces no global rival. America's grand strategy should aim to preserve and extend this advantageous position as far into the future as possible, close quote. That title, Restoring America's Defenses, is obviously as dishonest as any name right-wingers apply to what they do. It has nothing to do with defense, but with worldwide aggression and imposition of American political and military power. And check this out, the most infamous line in the report. Quote, The process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor, close quote. Like a new Pearl Harbor, something like 9-11, I imagine? If this were a movie script, that would be the line everyone would be talking about. But you know what? If I put all this in a movie script, that all these future Bush administration officials wrote down years before they took office that they needed a new Pearl Harbor to realize their goal of continued global domination, and that less than eight months after taking office they got their wish, a new Pearl Harbor in the form of 9-11, a producer would throw me out of his office and say, no one could possibly believe that. 
I guess truth really is stranger than fiction. Let's take a short break, and now that we have the foundation, the best is yet to come. Okay, so now we know the personnel and we know the goals. How did PNAC go about attempting to achieve these ends? One, propaganda, and two, literally hijacking U.S. foreign policy once its members took over Washington in 2001. As to propaganda, PNAC was able to, quote, sustain and propagate these ideas through its reports, its periodic letters and statements signed by right-wing notables, and a steady flow of opinion pieces and essays that acted as part of a larger neoconservative echo chamber that included Crystal's Weekly Standard, Fox News, The Washington Times, and the editorial pages of The Wall Street Journal to frame debates in official Washington and the mainstream media. Close quote. Two such letters in that long-running propaganda campaign stand out in our present Focusing on Iraq context. One was PNAC's January 26, 1998 missive to Bill Clinton, essentially urging him to use military force to topple Saddam if necessary. Quote, We urge you to articulate this aim and to turn your administration's attention to implementing a strategy for removing Saddam's regime from power. This will require a full complement of diplomatic, political, and military efforts. Close quote. The other letter was written to George W. Bush on September 20, 2001, just over a week after the 9-11 attacks. As an Interpress Service article summarized it, quote, In addition to calling for the ouster of the Taliban and war on al-Qaeda, the letter called for waging a broader and more ambitious war on terrorism that would include cutting off the Palestinian Authority under Yasser Arafat, taking on Hezbollah, threatening Syria and Iran, and, most importantly, ousting Hussein regardless of his relationship to the attacks or al-Qaeda. On that latter point, the letter said, quote, it may be that the Iraqi government provided assistance in some form to the recent attack on the United States, but even if evidence does not link Iraq directly to the attack, any strategy aiming at the eradication of terrorism and its sponsors must include a determined effort to remove Saddam Hussein from power. Failure to undertake such an effort will constitute an early and perhaps decisive surrender in the war on international terrorism. Close quote. Beyond its propagandizing, PNAC had its greatest effect, of course, when it took power, with Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Wolfowitz essentially pulling the strings as puppet masters to the ignorant and gullible George Bush. From their very first days in office, these right-wing neocon Bushians actually plotted their Iraq invasion. This we know firsthand from Paul O'Neill, Bush's Treasury Secretary, as recounted by him to Ron Suskind in the book The Price of Loyalty. I quote here from a CBS News story about the book. 
what happened at President Bush's very first National Security Council meeting is one of O'Neill's most startling revelations. O'Neill, quote, From the very beginning, there was a conviction that Saddam Hussein was a bad person and that he needed to go, close quote. O'Neill adds that going after Saddam was topic A 10 days after the inauguration, eight months before September 11th. Susskind, quote, from the very first instance, it was about Iraq. It was about what we can do to change this regime. Day one, these things were laid and sealed, close quote. As Treasury Secretary, O'Neill was a permanent member of the National Security Council. He says in the book, he was surprised at the meeting that questions such as why Saddam and why now were never asked. O'Neill, quote, It was all about finding a way to do it. That was the tone of it. The president saying, go find me a way to do this. For me, the notion of preemption, that the U.S. has the unilateral right to do whatever we decide to do, is a really huge leap, close quote. End of CBS excerpt. Secretary O'Neill, it's a huge leap as well for most of us other non-insane people. Had enough? Wait, there's more. Back to the CBS story. Susskind, quote, There are memos. One of them, marked secret, says, Plan for post-Saddam Iraq, close quote. Susskind says they discussed an occupation of Iraq in January and February of 2001. Based on his interviews with O'Neill and several other officials at the meetings, Susskind writes that the planning envisioned peacekeeping troops, war crimes tribunals, and even divvying up Iraq's oil wealth. He obtained one Pentagon document dated March 5, 2001, entitled Foreign Suitors for Iraqi Oil Field Contracts, which includes a map of potential areas for exploration. Susskind, quote, It talks about contractors around the world from, you know, 30 to 40 countries, and which ones have what intentions on oil in Iraq. Close quote. End of CBS excerpt. How many times have we progressives said that the Iraq war had nothing to do with finding WMD or fighting terrorism, but was about military bases and oil. The PNAC document, with its calls for forward-based forces in the region, and Susskind's book, with his revelation of planning for divvying up Iraq's oil wealth, show this to be the case, that these were the driving concerns as the Bush administration hoodwinked the nation into supporting its war. Need more convincing? The WMD hype was just a convenient, usable excuse for going to war against Iraq, according to none other than Paul Wolfowitz, one of the signers of PNAC's founding document. Quote, the Bush administration focused on alleged weapons of mass destruction as the primary justification for toppling Saddam Hussein by force because it was politically convenient, a top-level official at the Pentagon has acknowledged. The extraordinary admission comes in an interview with Paul Wolfowitz, the Deputy Defense Secretary in the magazine Vanity Fair. Quote, For bureaucratic reasons we settled on one issue, weapons of mass destruction, because it was the one reason everyone could agree on, close quote, Mr. Wolfowitz tells the magazine. 
Most striking is the fact that these latest remarks come from Mr. Wolfowitz, recognized widely as the leader of the Hawks camp in Washington, most responsible for urging President George Bush to use military might in Iraq. The magazine article reveals that Mr. Wolfowitz was even pushing Mr. Bush to attack Iraq immediately after the September 11th attacks, instead of invading Afghanistan. Close quote. Instead of invading Afghanistan. And of course, the Hawks camp referred to is the PNAC camp. All I can say is, can you believe it? Can you believe it? And the American people are totally in the dark. Mention of PNAC is rare, if ever, on mainstream media. Here are clips of two such rare instances. The first is of Helen Thomas, the 86-year-old White House correspondent who probably feels that she has nothing to lose by speaking some truth to power. CNN's Wolf Blitzer was interviewing her. He asked, Did you accept his answer, namely, that he didn't come into the presidency believing he was going to go to war against Saddam Hussein, but after 9-11, his worldview changed? Helen replies, essentially, Hell no. She starts by saying, It doesn't parse, then goes on, Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. It certainly had, it was secular, it was not tied to Al-Qaeda. I think uh, he wanted to go into Iraq, but the, he had all the neoconservatives advising at the top of their agenda for pro project for a new American century. First Iraq, then Iran, uh, then Syria, then Iran, and so forth. So, so you believe even before 9-11, he was about, he wanted to take out Saddam Hussein? Oh, I think this is very clear. That, Everybody knows, everybody who was in the know knows that Iraq was on target, it was on the radar screen from the moment he came into office. Treasury Secretary says that people in CIA say it and so forth. Nothing would deter him. It was a very big goal. This is, uh, I, I don't believe in preemptive war and it certainly is against international law. It's against the UN Charter, it's against Geneva, and it's against Nuremberg. Boy, doesn't she hit all the relevant points, bing, bang, boom? Impressive. In the other clip, we have Stephen Colbert of the Colbert Rapport, flustering neocon extraordinaire William Crystal. Crystal is editor of the far-right weekly Standard and also presently director of PNAC. You were a member or are a member of the Project for the New American Century, correct? I am. Were or am? Am? We're, 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 we're and, and am. am. Okay, how's, and that, am. How's, the, how's that project coming? Uh, well, it's... How's uh, the New American Century? Uh, I think Looks it's good a, to me? <laughs> right? I think it... I, uh, I'm speechless. <laughs> really? Yeah, we've sort of... Yeah, the yeah, Project for the New American come Century... Come on, it's a fantastic just a few New people. American Century, right? Well, I think you, we're doing Rummy, okay. You, Rummy, Wolfowitz, uh, Cheney... Pearl, Fife, all you guys, right? Well, we fought back after 9-11, and I'm proud of right. what we've done in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Yes. But this is pre-9-11. You guys had it a in the, in, the, in the 90s. And we thought we should have been fighting back more in the 90s. Right, anything, we should have anything. invaded Iraq, you know, then, you said. We should have, actually. Exactly. If we had finished the job in 1991, it would have been a lot easier. Notice how he tries to poo-poo PNAC's importance? Just a few people. Then he lies and makes it sound like, oh yes, this was an organization that was doing something after 911. And of course, note, 
that he said we should have invaded and occupied Iraq in 1991. Just before this next excerpt, Crystal had said that Rumsfeld was executing the Iraq war incompetently. Wait, 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 wait a second, since. Rumsfeld's part of the project of the New American Century. No, 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 he signed one or two of our letters, but the president should have replaced well, he him. He just signed one or two of the letters, but that doesn't make him part of your group. I don't know that guy. Yeah. I just have I my name him. next to him on a piece of paper. I know him, I'm happy he signed our letters. It's but like the ratting out but a the president, brother. But the president should have removed him a year and a half ago, in truth. Really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Speechless. All right. No, 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 he's not a member, he just signed a few letters. Rumsfeld signed their founding document. Finally, here Crystal shows the true PNAC neocon character. You are for, support, for creating a larger military, correct? Yes, absolutely. Where are you going to get the soldiers? That's one thing Rumsfeld didn't do, which he should have done after 9-11. Where, where are you going to get the soldiers? Are you going to go for a draft? No. I think you should. Well, I'm open to a draft. If I was young enough to be drafted, I'd say yes. No, look, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against the draft as a matter of principle. Mm -hmm. We don't need a draft to increase the army by Were you drafted? Divisions. You're, 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 you're a Vietnam age, right? No, no, I was a little too young. How old, how old were was, you in 1972? 19. That's old enough. Well, I was in the lottery for one year. Nixon canceled the draft, and so I, was, I didn't volunteer. Great man. <laughs> okay, now... He's open to the draft now that he's an old guy. Then he lies and says he was too young for Vietnam. Turns out he was 19. Nixon's a ha-ha great man for saving him from the draft. Crystal's little verbal jig of delight about getting out of serving in Vietnam while being open to a draft now to fulfill his neocon delusions reminds me why people are moved to write with such vituperation about him and the host of other Pinak chicken hawks like Cheney and Rumsfeld and Wolfowitz and Abrams and Libby and oh I can't help mentioning talking head chicken hawks like Bill O'Reilly and Rush Limbaugh. All avoided service when it was their turn, but all are cavalierly bloodthirsty now with other people's blood. This is a member of the British Parliament quoted in the Sunday Herald article speaking of PNAC's year 2000 rebuilding our defenses report. Quote, Tam Dalyell the Labor MP and one of the leading rebel voices against war with Iraq said, quote, This is garbage from right-wing think tanks stuffed with chicken hawks, men who have never seen the horror of war but are in love with the idea of war, men like Cheney who were draft dodgers in the Vietnam War. This is a blueprint for U.S. world domination, a new world order of their making. These are the thought processes of fantasist Americans who want to control the world. Close quote. So there you have it. Written evidence from PNAC, eyewitness evidence from a cabinet-level observer of PNAC government officials, and the very ex post facto words of a PNAC principal. Ample evidence that Iraq had and still has nothing to do with WMD or the war against terrorism, but was part of a predetermined course of action fanatically believed in long before 9-11 by those who came to populate the Bush administration. Now when you hear people talk of a cabal taking over U.S. foreign policy, this is what they're referring to, a preformed group of top-level, extreme, extreme, extreme right-wing ideologues with grandiose dreams to the rest of us nightmares of imposing U.S. hegemony over the entire planet. 
No other nations need apply. These brazen neocons announced their goal to maintain U.S. global domination, lobbied for it, and then when they took power in Washington, actually implemented the invasion and occupation of Iraq as the first step towards that goal. If there are any centrist fence straddlers, or even right-wingers of the less rabid kind who are beginning to have their doubts, make them aware of all this information, and maybe it will have the desired effect. One less American enabling the present-day PNAC-driven mass murder in Iraq and future destruction and death God knows where else if PNAC and Bush are given half the chance. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. Listen, last time I checked, Blast the Right was locked in a battle for the last top ten spot with Red Bar Radio. Being in the top ten means Blast the Right is on the Podcast Alley homepage with tons of exposure and the ability to help spread the progressive word even further. So if you haven't voted yet, please go vote right now. Music Credits The bumper music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House and the alternate Blast the Right theme. We'll close with the uplifting ending chorus of Taken My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on the music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please keep all those great comments coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. You can call and leave a comment for me to play on the podcast. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. I appreciate people calling in and telling me how much they love the podcast. The ones that I tend to play on the show, however, are the more substantive comments about an issue that we've discussed. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Now you don't.